Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get right to it. Big four, four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Did you really send over a Tim Hardaway on microphone snafu? Because if I did a double take, I'd be like, wait, well, that was 15 years ago. Now what happened? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. This happened uh, This happened the other night, last night, actually. So they were doing like a, a run TMC takeover broadcast during the Warrior Spurs game um, on Monday. And uh, during the second quarter, he was discussing uh, your guy, actually, Draymond Green, a block on a play. And um, Hardaway threw out the line, quote, so y'all thought that was great D. I thought that he was just, can I say this? Is it newsworthy? Raping him. I think they should call the police on that. Yeah, okay. you, you can't say that on, uh, on, a, on an NBA broadcast. Not, I get, not anymore. No. I mean, yeah, maybe you probably could have said it, what, 20 years ago or something like that. Um, but it is a different age, and rightfully so. You can't really – you can't say that kind of stuff. It is triggering to some people who might hear that and have gone through the experience. It's somewhat inappropriate for a game that is being watched by, you know, the young kids, shall we say. It's just a different age, man. Can't okay. do it. So he, uh, he misspoke. So what happened? He apologized. He apologized. Right, Came out good. and said, hey, look, uh, during, later in the broadcast, used a poor choice of words earlier in the broadcast. Want to apologize for that. I will say, he then followed that up with, let's get back to the game and finish off with a 30-point win and go home happy. <laughs> okay. You don't need to think, yeah, yeah, we're going to get back to the game. I've had enough of this apologizing <laughs> thing. Let's move <laughs> right, on back to basketball. Just just say, hey, sorry, shouldn't have said it. Also, let's just okay. point this out really quickly. It's not – I saw a lot of people like, cancel culture. He's not canceled. Yeah. Just don't say that stuff, man. He apologized. Yeah, okay, we're done. I misspoke. You, you know, you're not really supposed to use that language anymore. You know, I hate gay people. So I let it be known. That was Tim Hardaway back in 2007. Mm. So he's got experience with this. That was actually on a talk show on Levitard's talk show. You should use the in, rest of in, that quote. In Miami. Yeah. Well, I mean, he continued to say, I don't like gay people. I don't like to be around gay people. I am homophobic. I don't like it. It shouldn't be in the world or in the United States. So Probably not around the microphone often, yeah. Tim Hardaway. Yeah. He, he shouldn't be. Did you see the Bradshaw suicide flack last week? No, I didn't see this at all. Um, when you so said he was this ta- over. he was talking about uh, the uh, run game, talking about for the Cardinals, talking about James Conner, and he said their mentality is throw, throw, throw. I think if this kid ran five or six runs, I think he commits suicide or something. So, okay, I don't exactly know what that means, but now that all that all said, let's let's bring up one of the issues. Sometimes as they cover for guys like Tim Hardaway, who frankly is not that old. Is Tim Hardaway even 60 yet? And for Bradshaw, who's probably like 73, sometimes the cover is, well, you know, different era. They're old. Right. Is that acceptable? No. You're, you're human that has the capability of learning and reading. Like, stop it. Because, because then at what point, right, where's the slippery slope where it's like, all right, old man, let's put you out to pasture. Right? If you're not capable of learning and advancing your thought process, then what use are you of, of uh, are you of? No it? use if you can't do an interview no, or broadcast. Well, but, but it speaks to that, point. right? Like the, the point is, is like you're saying, ah, well, back in the day, you know, I'm just I'm just made of another cloth, my friend. It's just how it was. Oh, so you can't adapt? Okay, let's get rid of you then. Like, no, you're you're capable of reading and seeing what the environment and society is like today. 
okay? It is a lazy cop-out to say something like that. Damn, I put Tim Hardaway in he's an old guy category. He's four years older than me. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're Uh-oh. getting up there, man. Uh-oh. I just turned 32 the other day. Uh-oh. I'm getting up there, too. Damn it! Number three. Number three. End of the Eagles game against the D.C. team. I hate the nickname commanders. What did you think of the vicious hit put on Taylor Heineke? I mean, it was kind of lame, but it was a penalty. Explain the scenario here. Uh, so it's the end of the game. Uh, we have, let's see, I'll get the time right. What we got, like, just over a minute 40 seconds left. And Taylor Heineke is going down, essentially, like, giving himself up. And Eagles defenders come in and hit him while he has a knee down. I mean, in UFC, it's a disqualification. His knee was, he was grounded. <laughs> what if they're pulling up? They were pulling up. I mean, it's not like, look. I mean, Gra- Graham hits him and then, like, puts his arms up immediately, I think, knowing that, oh, crap, I might be in trouble here. Yeah, that was Graham, but there was two guys who hit him, right? One guy lunged at him while he was on the ground and made contact with him. It's, did it, did it make it worse that we're protecting quarterbacks and some of these calls <laughs> do appear to be a little shady, a little soft when Heineke gets up and he's like, yeah, first down. Uh, no, I like mean he's celebrating knew it. that he he drew them into a silly hit. No, because you celebrate when you draw an offsides. Why wouldn't you celebrate? And by the way, so and I missed this because I'm rewatching it now because uh, I don't know the name off the top of my head. Number seven, who goes in there too, hits him and gets up and does the finger wag. <laughs> like no, 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 no. Like you committed a penalty. <laughs> you you lost the game right there. Like I get like I get that you think it's kind of lame. But, like, again, I just – here's my theory, too, by the way. I think these things happen, and when it's a likable team that people want to see the narrative continue, i.e. the Eagles being undefeated, there's more outrage over it than if it would be the other way around. So what, what teams would we not defend it on? Just, like, crappy teams. Oh, crappy teams. Like, like, so I, thought, team. I thought you were talking about hate. Yeah, like, like, Washington is not a likable team, right? So people are mad that they won because of this. But if the Eagles had won because of a penalty like this, all right. Jalen Hurts, Eagles undefeated. We love it. Number two. Mark Davis, brief comments coming out of the weekend. Josh McDaniels, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Stephen A. Smith did not like those comments, and he went full SAS. And what you need to do is call the reporters back and retract that damn quote and make sure that you say something more sensible and accountable for the atrocity that you got going on. Because you got cats that don't want to be in a Raiders uniform. What happened to just win, baby? Oh, boy. What happened to it? Now, that is interesting. You've got guys that don't want to be in the Raiders uniform. Do you buy that? Well, I mean, I, I assume when I heard that, I thought he was talking about Derek Carr's comments. About people not, like, really fighting hard. I mean, maybe he think maybe I was going to say he thinks. Well, maybe he he's got some hardcore he's football got knowledge, right. like Blake Martinez playing a great game two games ago and then just <laughs> going, you know what? That's not worth it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that he said that, but that's kind of how it felt. A lot of, I mean, when the defense of someone walking away after an 11-tackle game is, hey, he's got a great Pokemon business, I don't blame him. Like, what? Pokemon. Good one. That's it. That's the reason. Or did Martinez look around and well, one, I think he probably woke up to start the next week and it was like, I feel like crap. But two, on that kind of team, are you like, it's just not worth it? Well, I mean, also, let's be real. If your linebacker's making 11 tackles, sure, it sounds like a good game. Where there's so many guys getting to the second level. Maybe Martinez was just like, holy crap, dude. I got to work this hard? This stinks. I'd rather collect Pokemon cards. 
number one. Give me another SAS on Mark Davis if you can. What happened to the silver and black? What happened to that pride? What happened to all of that? It's trash right now. And you're going to tell the people Rome wasn't built in a day? I mean, that's just pathetic. That's what I'm going to say it one last time. The dumbest quote I have seen in recent memory from an owner. Just dumb. Okay. I don't know if it was a quote, but I think it was at it was his directive. I would say Dan Snyder throwing Brian Robinson, the running back who got shot three weeks ago, and Snyder using him as a shield and a PR tool against the AG's office in Washington. I know it's very detailed what I just explained and probably didn't explain it well, but Dan Snyder's give, given dumber quotes. Listen, we love Stephen A. This is why he makes millions of dollars because he can get fired up and, and sell the whole thing really well from outside the city and not around the organization. Mark Davis's quote does look ridiculous. He could have could have been cleaner, okay? It didn't have to be that over the top. He's doing a fantastic job. They're not doing a fantastic job. Unless unless you're willing to admit, you know what? The goal was we were tanking. So, hallelujah. Two wins is great. But I don't think that was the goal coming into the season. So, it was a clunky quote. But to my point, when you're not around the team and you're not around the, the owner himself, this is what owners have to do sometimes to cover for guys. Unless you're Jim Ursay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are there, are there Raiders fans who actually would like Jim Irsay as the owner instead of Mark Davis? There might be some, right? He's impatient. He's an oddball. Makes weird choices. I mean, Mark is kind of like that, except impatient. Right. Can I say, though, I kind of agree with Stephen A. Smith the more I think about it. Yeah. Rome can be built in a day. The New York Giants are 7-2. and two. They were 4-13 last year. I mean, it is awfully amazing how well first-year coaches Dable and McDaniel, minus the S, Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. and Kevin O'Connell. What are those teams combined? Like, like uh, 22 and 6 or something? Yeah, something ridiculous, yeah. So they've all come out winning with teams I mean, that at least were – well, let's, let's, all, we, let's also hit again. This defense just is not good. No, it's and not. They, and they made the choice from a personnel standpoint – to spend $29 million and two picks on Devontae Adams, feeling like they could piece it together with the defense. They haven't pieced it together. No, they haven't. It just has not worked. And then they spent a lot of money on Chandler Jones, and he just doesn't appear to have it anymore, unless all of this is a scheme disaster and Graham's the problem. But here's the thing. The New York Giants are 7-2 with a plus-14 point differential. That says that they are bought in. They're playing to these games really tight. There is no quit in that team. And your coaches, Dable and others, are adding wins at the margins. I mean, the Vikings, too. I mean, like, look, the Vikings are, what, 8-1 and one with a plus 35-point differential? They're blowing teams out, but they're doing the right things in these tight games. And, by the way, Raiders have had quite a few of those tight games that have been very winnable. 0-6 versus 7-2 and two a year ago in these one-score games. Exactly. And sometimes, look, they had the positive variance last year. Sometimes that works for it. Right, it's a coin flip. And this year, the coin flip is just coming up tails each time. But there is still something to be said of a team that is able to operate in crunch time situations. These teams haven't, or the have, the Giants and the Vikings, Raiders haven't. Number one. And then there's the blame game. So while a lot of people concentrated on Derek Carr crying and sniffling after the game on Sunday, many more have noticed, well, he was getting after people. And Willie Ramirez with us yesterday was saying, well, he didn't say players. 
most people took it as a player, not a coach. Could be a coach. So who's the player? And then later yesterday in the day, we see sources within the organization are getting frustrated with Darren Waller. What are we doing here? I don't understand that at all. I think it's a really ill-timed piece. I think it doesn't make any sense. Waller's an injured reserve. So unless unless you're alleging that he's somehow faking this, right, which is a very serious right. accusation. Because uh, to he, go back to what Carr said, he talked about working hard. Right. What do you do to work hard to heal a left hammy and then a right hammy injury? Yeah. What hard work do you do? I mean, you could say that he's not taking care of his body enough Thus, that's why he keeps getting these soft tissue okay. issues. So going to injuries. games, going to parades, Padres games, all that. Sure. That's the problem? Maybe that's the problem. But at the same time, again, there's two things to it. One, the timing of this is so on the nose after Carr's comments that you can clearly connect dots here and maybe say something about it, even if it's not there. The timing of the piece makes it so that people are going to connect the dots. What's the, the, what's the dot you're connecting? Is that Derek Carr, when he was talking about people who aren't bought in in the press conference, okay. is talking about Darren Waller. Oh, I thought you were connecting the – Sources that Waller's not working to get back, the source is Carr. I mean, that too. Okay. And also, like, when you look at it from that perspective, again, their defense stinks. It's such an oddly timed piece because their defense is also one of the biggest issues. It's not like they're only giving up 13 points a game and we're losing these things 12 10. It hasn't been the case. Yeah, I thought it was a really time, ill timed piece. It was weird. Big Four at Four is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can call Battleborn from anywhere in Nevada. 766-1400 is a number. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Miles is with us. What's up, buddy? Hello. Uh, not too much, guys. How are you? We're good. I'd like to say Miles with Pro Football Talk is doing a fantastic job. But apparently that oh, means okay. different things because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what exactly is Mark Davis talking about? Um, I don't like to see Stephen A. Smith get upset. Uh, I'm lying. He got very upset this morning. A lot of people are questioning, wait, fantastic job. What's going on here? I just don't understand why he would say that, man. I mean, you know, I, I get having to or wanting to, let's call it, back your coach, you know, and you want to say, look, I understand that this is a process. Even the Rome wasn't built in a day thing. Like, while that's stupid, because it's not like we all hallucinated the fact that the Raiders were 10 and 7 last year, went to the postseason and then gave the eventual AFC champion Bengals all that they could handle in that playoff game. But at the same time, when you decide that you're going to hire a coach and you believe in the process, say that, you know, I believe in the process. I, I know it's tough. Stick with us. I feel like we're going to get this thing turned around eventually. But to say he's doing a fantastic job when you just lost to a high school coach the day before, what are you doing? Don't do that. It's so easy to not do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, that's, a, that's an undefeated NFL head coach. Thank you very much, Jeff Saturday. Um, yeah, he is man. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think there's a lot of different directions to go to. I'll, I'll go in this direction, though. Does it seem for you as much as it does out here that this team's just like falling apart? Like it seemed like from comments made by Derek Carr, the disconnect between the comments from him and McDaniels, and then of course Mark Davis. It seems like this has fallen apart to the point where maybe it's you were only halfway through, just over. It seems like this is it, like you can't repair this at this point. You you look, the, Derek Carr was crying at his press conference. I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you know, it is what it is, and Derek Carr cares. Now, having covered him in the 2019 season, I, I understand that he cares. I know that he cares. So when you have that and you have 
your quarterback saying, hey, man, I don't think guys are really putting in the effort that everybody needs to put in. Devontae Adams, who is regarded as one of the best wide receivers in football, is saying, I don't think we're doing well enough. You get the coach saying, I got no problem with the effort. And then the owner saying the head coach is doing a fantastic (laughs) job. Well, it's like there is there's an obvious disconnect. Right. So I don't know what that means. If the Raiders are going to look like next season, but they certainly are not going to look like they look right now. I don't think it's great that they're two and seven. They've lost a lot of close games. They're 0 and six in one score games. And I guess I can deal with that. What I can't is what's going on. Can't deal with is what's going on right now. Because the back end of the crying thing with Carr, he starts calling out guys on the team. And then within a day, there is a story by. Uh, Vinny from Raider Nation Radio 920 saying that, well, sources are saying it's Waller. I mean, don't well, we see what's going on here? I mean, but the pro- Waller's on IR. So, like, that's not enough to, for me. Right. I, you know what I mean? But, you get, but, you, I, I, but you, get, you get my point, right? Derek Carr is crying and calling out guys, and then the next day, sources say Darren Waller's the one that the organization's getting upset with. What are we doing here? I, I don't know. I don't. I think that that's pretty ridiculous. I, I didn't see that, you know. So I I don't know. But it, it it can't just be one thing, right? It can't just be. Well, I'm mad at Darren Waller because he's not fighting to play through stuff, and you know everybody else is putting stuff in their body so that they can sleep at night. That the, those two things feel a little incongruous to me. I don't know. I mean, because he's not in the locker. He's not. He's not. He's not on the field. He's not the one who need who's playing or not playing right i mean hunter renfro's on ir too so what, what does that mean and i, I don't know I, that's yeah yeah darren waller didn't have anything to do with that loss he wasn't playing so what what's what's going on there that I, I don't know like i said that just that's a little incongruous to me i yeah. I, I can't square that just to give you the lines from yesterday's story uh in the rj Derek Carr didn't identify anyone in particular when he suggested sunday that the raiders need more players who are more deeply committed to the team's success that said sources have indicated that frustration is growing among the club regarding star tight end darren waller so i just wanted to, so you know what i'm talking about sure yeah yeah okay. yeah i just okay. think the timing but, of that again. is 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 friggin absurd and i get your point it ain't just one player. And if that's now that's what we're doing with the Raiders, man, this is a broken franchise if we're going to point and throw one guy under the bus for all well, that's going on, and especially on defense. I'm sorry, but and also if that's the case, then why in the world did they give him a new contract? So uh, what you know? So it's either this doesn't make any sense, or if there's frustration, then that speaks to a level of dysfunction that makes absolutely no sense. And I don't know how you square any of these things, right? I, that I don't know. Because I, I, why? Again, why? Why? If you were so frustrated with this guy, yeah. then why in the world would you give him new money? Why didn't you just trade him? Mm-hmm. What is that? The trade deadline well, was a couple weeks ago. Green Bay was apparently interested. That, yeah, that's it. That is interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because that kind of came from out of nowhere that after the trade deadline, they had Green Bay had asked about Darren Waller, which means that they may have been open to it to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I mean, they, Green Bay should have been interested. Green Bay needs something, yeah. you know. I mean, I know that Christian Watson had three touchdowns the other night. He probably could have had four if he kept running on that one go route. But, you know, I, I just – yeah, that's 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 interesting stuff. That's really interesting stuff. And I mean, no matter which way you look at it, it, it speaks to the level of dysfunction that's going on within the Raiders right now. And obviously it starts from the top and goes all the way on down. 
Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. So you actually keep going down that path then, right? Then I, I know it's kind of a dead horse at this point. Everybody likes to mock Josh McDaniels and like the 6-0 start with Denver or what it has been subsequently. But, I mean, that's where we're looking at this point right now. If we have guys openly taking shots at one another, accusing each other of not fighting enough, uh, the score or the losing in one-score games, all of those things point to issues at the top of the body. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if – we were talking about another team, then we probably would be talking about Josh McDaniels not being the head coach of that team in 2023, All right? But there's, there's a difference here with the Raiders. I mean, and there's a number of different factors, but there's no reason in the world, I feel like right now, to say, yeah, let's, bring, we, let's give our coach assurances that he's going to be back in 2023, which was reported in the athletic yesterday. I mean, I don't, I, I don't really see a reason to do that. Again, there are two teams in the entire national football league of 32 teams that have two or fewer wins. One is the Texans and the other is the Raiders and the Raid One of the Raiders wins has been over that one win Texans team. So. <laughs> Mal Simmons pro football talk on Cofield and company. All right. You're around the Rams. You, you know, you worked, uh, with that organization for a little while. They're having yes. an equally dreadful season at three and six. Now Cooper Cup is down maybe for the rest of the season. Why are they holding it together? Why don't we hear leaks there? I mean, Stafford, I don't know when Stafford's going to be back. It, it doesn't seem like at least the Rams publicly are unraveling. Well, they're not unraveling. I mean, A, leadership, right? I mean, the the leadership believes in each other. And that's one thing about it. You know, your quarterback still believes in the head coach. And the other thing that stems from the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, they, they were holding the Lombardi Trophy in February. We're still in the same calendar year as they won that Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, their home stadium here in Los Angeles. So, I mean, that's definitely part of it. Look, it's been a disaster of a year for the Rams, and they've got so many injuries. You know, they, the offensive line, I don't think they've started the same combination of five offensive linemen throughout the entire season. And, you know, we're going into week 11 now, which is just ridiculous. You don't expect that um, from any standpoint. So, I think a lot of it is Sean McVay's got the reputation of being a winning head coach. Yes, they just won the Super Bowl. And so there is some still good vibes that you get off of that. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's an abject disaster. It's not as much of I, actually I shouldn't say that because the Raiders are an abject disaster. The Rams are having a really bad season, you know, and well, everybody said like, oh, you got to pay the Piper. You got to pay the Piper at some point for the Rams after they make all these trades. And yeah, you do. Cool. But they have a Lombardi trophy to show for it. And I think everybody would give up what or would give what the Rams are having right now because they have the trophy with them already. You're right on that. Um, moving forward, though, the rest of the season and in the future, I actually don't mind the Raiders situation if they finish the year with three or four wins. Right now they're in the two hole in the draft. The problem with the Rams and tanking the rest of the way, they have no picks. Their first well, round pick is, is to the Lions. Yeah. Like they, they don't have any freaking picks. Well, but that's, I mean, it's not that they don't have any picks, right? They do have picks in later rounds. And one of the things that I would be more critical of right now of them is if they had made that Christian McCaffrey trade that they wanted to make, which would have sent multiple picks over to the Carolina Panthers. That wouldn't have been a good thing to do because you have a lot of different holes that you have to plug up. And some of these things that they've done in the last couple of years, like drafting Tutu Atwell in the second round, I mean, that dude can't even get on the field. He's a healthy scratch. So that's part of their problem. They have to draft better as they did at the beginning of the McVay and Sneed era. And you have to make sure that you're filling all these different spots. You have to hit on your draft picks. 
which is the problem, you know, when you, I mean, every team has to, but especially when you don't have those premium picks in the first round, you have to hit basically on every single other thing. Cooper Cup, who we're just talking about, you know, he's out for a long time, but he was a third round pick in 17. That's the kind of thing that you have to continue to do if you're going to be like the Rams and build your team that way. Also, I just want to throw out, do we trust the Raiders to actually draft the right guy and develop? Hell no. Because the first round selections have not been that great. No. That was the past regime. It doesn't matter. I mean, what 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 do you what evidence do you have right now that a the coaches on this staff are going to be able to train anybody to do anything? And b you know because Ziegler is McDaniel's guy. I'm sorry, I'm questioning the whole freaking thing right now based on the fact that you couldn't even put a plan together to to beat somebody who was sitting on ESPN at this time two weeks ago. It's absurd. Still, I don't understand this. It got, shouldn't be this bad. I got 20 seconds left. If the Colts finish with 10 wins and make the playoffs, Coach of the Year is Jeff Saturday? Yeah, I guess so. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Wouldn't it that be happening. dynamite? It's not happening. Okay. No. no. My, my, lose. My, lose. My, oh, you want to lose? Yes, of course I want them to lose. Okay. There you go. Eh. A lot of arguments right now over winning and losing and what teams should be doing. Miles, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, take care, guys. There he is. Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter, Pro Football Talk. He's also a part of the uh, Peacock family with all the content that PFT puts out. Man, we're going to talk to Sam Paniotovich on betting, but, you know, he's a Chicago guy. I think he's going to make the pitch that the Bears should lose. No one wants to win. No one wants to win. If you're not going to be a 12-win team, everyone wants out of this thing. Raiders should really want out of this thing. It's going badly. Here are five pizza spots I tried in Hoboken, New Jersey. First up, Benny Tadino's with the largest slice in Hoboken. It was $4.75 in the size of my head, and I loved it. Over to Torna's Pizzeria, you have gangster-looking gentlemen walking in the door. Cash only, and the pizza was fire. A great combination of crust, cheese, and sauce. Now to Napoli's Pizzeria. This got some brick oven style, and it comes with some pepperoni, some mushrooms, some green pepper and it was sloppy but it was so good it's cofield and company on espn las vegas and espn sports reno and so it begins so it begins the christmas bells dominic the donkey instrumental right after hoboken that's bad it's hoboken right you know i don't know anymore now i'm questioning myself Grew up in the Garden State, and I don't know. That guy's delivery the whole time was a little bit weird. Don't did talk I, about pizza as being fire. I hate that. Did I black out? Did he say number one? We didn't get number one. Uh, he didn't really rank them. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he ripped a place, and then the other place he was boring on. So. Hoboken, uh, Greg Fire, it was melty. Did you have any pizza in uh, New York, New Jersey? No, I was kind of disappointed that. Why not? I, I mean, I... I was on a trip, and I was not in control of our destination, we'll say. Oh, so did they take you out to eat multiple times? Yeah, these, a couple these, times. These, uh, one of your various employers? Yeah, so oh, it was wow. cool. Yeah. Where'd you go? Uh, really, the only place we went to, a spot called Texas, Arizona, but I think that's a chain. That's when we first got in. Cause it was, what? Yeah. Well, you went to, in New Jersey, you went to Texas, Arizona? Well, what? Trust me, it was a long travel day. It was like 10 hours worth of, hey, let's just grab the place next yeah, to the We got to discuss this off the air. This is a nightmare. And then there was, a, there was actually a cool dive bar that we went to for the actual event I went out there for. Okay. Wolf something. Okay. It was pretty dope. Good food. Okay. Liked it. What was the PFF score, the Pro Foodie Focus score? Uh, well, I didn't. Pro I was, Foodie Focus. I was too embarrassed to actually order something. Um, what? So. You do that? The Buffalo Wings were solid. Well, because it wasn't on my dime. 
Who cares? So order it and then throw throw a fifty in and go. You know, and they'll now nah, you don't have to pay for it. And then I went to a brick house, which apparently is a chain, but more on the East Coast. Okay. Uh, I did dig that a spicy grilled chicken sandwich that was very nice. Okay. But when I go to Hawaii, oh. Do you have any idea what you're getting? What, have home, you, do you have any Hawaii? game plan at all? There's only one spot that I need to go to. Where's that? Because my colleague Matt Humans talks all the time. Okay. About Zippy's chili. All right. And I just want to try it. And just I know it's a fast food chain Did out there. Did you look it up? Is it is it in the resort corridor or? Uh, I'll have to look it up. If we, I think it's a fast food chain out there, so I think it's going to be readily available never wherever been we there. go. But yeah, Zippy's chili is like the top the top thing that I have to try. But you do realize you're getting advice from someone who just craves junk food. So do I. Right. But like I that might not be like the first place I would recommend in Honolulu. But it's 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 something that I just want to try. Like just to give me a small cup so I can try it, so I can say, Wow, that's terrible. And go back and tell him (laughs) Wow, that was terrible. (laughs) Right. Because look, love Matt. Uh, but the the McRibs, like he swore on them, and I went one time years ago, and I got two, and I ate a bite of one, and I was like, "This is what I'm here for, huh?" All right. But I never knew you were that guy who is hold back and not order anything with new people guy. Well, if if, if I'm if I'm not paying, yes. No, but offer. I did. I'm sure they want. I was looked at like I had two heads, and right, that so made the, it more so then, awkward. Why? That that's then the, that they they gave you the go ahead, get although, whatever you want. Although I didn't live it up on us. I didn't say no to the beer tower. So we got two beer towers. That was cool. Okay. Tiki Barber took a picture of the beer tower. A little name drop. We're tight now. Oh, you're hanging out with Tiki Barber. I was. Okay. He, uh, he probably does not even remember me right now. I thought you were starting to do podcasts with him. No, no, no. That's the other crew. That's the betting, betting with the Barbers. I'm re- referencing my, of course, my uh, uh, part-time podcast oh, with the book. Uh, I do a great podcast called The Odds Makers with John Murray and Jay Cornegate over by, at the Superbook. By the way, you just spent time in New Jersey where it is cold. Mm-hmm. Why are you shivering? It's 55 Dude, here in Vegas. What is your problem? It's colder here. <laughs> it 55 is. is 55. I don't know why. It's colder here. I don't know if it's the moisture. I don't know what it is. But it, maybe it was the excitement that was pumping my blood as I was walking through the streets of Hoboken. But it's colder here, man. We're going to get betting advice from Sam Paniotovich on the way back. He's our guy from Nesson and from Fox Sports. I'm going to go on what... MC Wren, or as someone we know called him, uh, Mick Wren. <laughs> MC Wren tweets yesterday, I still have faith in the Raiders if we can get in the playoffs by the <laughs> by way of wild card. What? It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Penny Adovich is in from Nesson and Fox Sports. John Von Tobel, Cofield here at the Thomas & Mack. We're getting ready for a uh, running Rebel game later tonight, 8 o'clock tip against Dayton. All right, Sam, Monday Night Football, how to turn out for the books? Pretty well. Um, you know, most people had the Eagles in their parlays, in their money line parlays. They laid first half. They laid first half money line, first half everything. Um, good result for the books, and uh, I saw I think ten people had the Eagles in Survivor Pool. So, you know, look when a when a Super Bowl favorite or one of the favorites loses outright, it's always a big night for the house. Multiple bookmakers said it was all fine and dandy, and an exclamation point at the end of a pretty good weekend. What's going on with you with contesting? Tied for thirty fourth in the Super Contest. How about that? Wow! I know. All right. I know. I have to stop looking at the standings, though, because then it just kind of throws off my mojo. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I have to just stay to the task at hand, Belichick on to Cincinnati, and just keep doing 
what I'm doing. I do have a partner, Mike Cole. Uh, we both work at Nesson, and we've decided that from day one, we were going to put our favorite bets in the five. You know, it's five bets, ATS. Right. Our best bets, and then for the last two legs or so, we're going to take good numbers. And that's why we took Washington at plus 11. Like, look, the team might stink, but if you take good numbers in these contests, you can do pretty well. Any uh, any contention in some of the mini contests, three, six, nine? I believe in the second half contest, we are 5-0 and oh and 4-1, and one, if that makes sense. I, again, I think – well, wait a minute. It's week 11 coming up. Yeah, so in week 9 and week 10, we went 9-1. and one. Nice. So pretty decent for the second half. Um, I'm not sure for the three, six, and nine. To be honest with you, is it stupid that I don't I don't know that? Like I don't know what I'm doing in the three, six, or nine. Is that bad? No. Like I was in contention for uh, I finished second in a six week last year, and um, I didn't realize I was in contention for it until like the week that it was like the week it was going to be decided. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, yeah, and then what did you do? What did you do when you found out? Like how did you do that week? Uh, I I don't want to, I don't like to talk about it because uh, it was the Colts Buccaneers <laughs> game, uh, and the Colts had that twenty four ten lead in the third quarter and blew it and ended up not covering and that cost me uh, fifty thousand oh dollars. So I made some money oh. off of it, but uh, it was a very it was a tough time for the Von Tobel household. There's something to be said about not knowing something for several weeks and then you find out and it does sort of creep into the back of your brain. Yep. If you find out your top ten, top twenty, top thirty, then you might start to overthink things, and, and that's when you turn betting into gambling, and that's always a scary place. Uh, really quickly, we all know the Westgate Superbook. I sat that that, uh, that raised platform for that Colts-Buccaneers game. I sat there by myself with a hood on and just was angry the entire game. Why? So. Hey, John, you got some <laughs> picks for today? <laughs> uh, all right, well, while we're patting you on the back for the uh, Super Contest, your Giants over? All right. They me too. All right. That's right. You guys are both high on the Giants. I'm going to be collecting debts. I have about five outstanding wagers with uh, Twitter followers, which, as you know, Steve, is never always the easiest to collect. I had one guy last year that blocked me rather than send me a bottle of tequila when he told me that the Braves wouldn't make the playoffs. Uh, last check, uh, Braves won the World Series, and then Still no he pain. didn't. Yeah, well, he's a coward. I mean, he works for Good Morning America. He's an assistant producer. He probably couldn't afford a bottle of tequila. But I do have five or six wagers on Twitter right now floating around. I went over seven, over seven and a half, and then I think I went two to one over eight. So it's looking good. Brian Dable just changed everything for that team. He started putting the ball in the good players' hands, and you know he's really minimized the risk for quarterback Daniel Jones. All right, Cleveland on the road against Buffalo. So I was. So this is the time of year. Weather reports are uh, very important. What are we seeing in the weather report for the Bills game against the Browns? Well, you know this. I mean, JBT, we, we sat on the desk together at Beeson for a while, and wise guys don't wait when it comes to weather. They get the report, and they whack, you know. Uh, this was 47.5 on Sunday night. It was 47 most of the day Monday. You wake up Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, it's 43.5. Because the report started to get circulated and aggregated that, hey, Buffalo might get two, three feet of snow, which is always going to drop the total. But most importantly, the wind. I mean, the, the wind in the area is supposed to be between 15 and 20 miles per hour. Um, again, forecast can change from Tuesday to Sunday. But by all accounts, it's going to be a, a brutal storm hitting Buffalo. I'm just a little confused. Like, you know. I understand the move on the total from 47.5 to 43. 
why didn't the point spread change? If Buffalo can't throw the ball, that's been their bread and butter all year. They haven't been able to run it all that well. If Buffalo can't throw and it's going to be a snow globe, doesn't that sort of play into the strengths of Cleveland, play good defense, run the ball with Nick Chubb? Like, I understand the total moving, but Cleveland hasn't budged off plus eight and a half. To me, that's weird. It's a lot to cover in a low-scoring game, if it is a low-scoring game. So it sounded like you were going back and forth with Bears fans and make the playoffs, not make the playoffs. And I saw you tweet out something the other day about uh, Bears and what they should be doing the rest of the season. Do you think they should be tanking the rest of the way? Well, I don't know that you want to tank, but I, I think the organization has made it clear that they're not trying to win games. I mean, fundamentally, you don't trade your two best defensive players in a 10-day span and try to win. Um, you know, that running defense was one of the worst in football with Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. And then they sent those guys packing. And it was funny because I went to Bears Dolphins in Chicago and it was a really exciting game. Justin Fields ran for 178, a single game record in the NFL regular season. And I, I flipped the radio on talk radio in Chicago on Monday. And it's, oh, my God, Justin Fields is the best quarterback of the NFC North. And I'm like, this is why these idiots can have nothing nice. Because you can't just pump the brakes and go from A to B to C. You got to go from A to Z. You know, what was buried in the deck was, yeah, Fields had a great day, but they lost and they gave up 35 points. So I, I thought I thought that bet to get the Lions plus three on Sunday was a layup. Um, it finally got there. But really, Steve, the best bet in football over the last six weeks has been the Chicago Bears over. Last six weeks, over, under, over, 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 and the Bears have scored 29-32-30 in the last three games with a defense that stinks. So you look at this total, Chicago-Atlanta coming up. It's 50 right now. Bears are going to give up 28. How many are they going to score? Um, 24, 27. Like that feels like an over until further notice on Chicago. Really quick, the angle that I've been taking, Sam, uh, Chicago team totals over. And again, this week they're 23 and a half. Uh, last week against uh, Detroit, they were 25 and a half. So, other way to attack it. But I've been going with their team totals over. That's fine. The good thing about that angle is that their defense, again, is so freaking bad that right. they're going to give up points, which creates urgency on the offense. Like these games, all of a sudden, they turn into Energizer Bunnies. It's back and forth, back and forth. And, look, Fields is awesome in a lot of ways, but he also makes mistakes. He threw an awful pick six last week. When those games turn frantic, it leads to more points both ways. What should the Raiders be doing the rest of the way, Sam Paniotovich? And how are you going to approach the Raiders from a game-by-game uh, -game betting standpoint? I'm not going to touch the Raiders the rest of the season. I told you six weeks ago they should have fired Josh McDaniels. How in the world did they pull a coach off the street that beat Josh McDaniels. Like, how is that a thing? How does a guy who hasn't even been with a team for a week sculpt a game plan to beat you? That Like, they should do that every week. Like, whoever the Raiders play should just take somebody off the streets and see if they could beat them. Celebrity that guy coach. stinks. He blows. He is now 7-24 in his last 31 games as a coach. And now he's got the quarterback crying. Ooh, we work hard. You guys suck. You've sucked all season. I can't believe that Mark Davis is saying they should bring him back. Actually, was it the quote that he's doing a great job? Fantastic. Or, uh, fan oh, fantastic job at two and seven. What are we drinking? Season win total. I have to play this. I need some juice. I need some fire the rest of the way. It's five and a half. What do I do? Raiders. What's the under? What's the juice on the under? Plus 115 on the over. The under is minus 140. Oh, I don't want to lay 140. 
Can we go alternate? Can we go under four and a half at plus 200? What can we do? Call the boys at Circa up. See what we can get for under four and a half. Suppose we could look into it. Uh, some college football, you pointed out, or uh, at least someone did, and I know you retweeted it, Iowa-Minnesota total this weekend. They're expecting kind of a low-scoring game. Yeah, 32. That is like a 1977 Big Ten total, if you know what I mean. Um, these, these offenses are putrid, to say the least. These defensive lines are pretty solid. Weather an issue. It, it was snowing in Chicago today, so obviously pay attention. We're in that point of the schedule, you know, mid to late November and early December. A lot of these games are affected by weather. I don't know that I want to bet under 32 and a half because there's literally no margin for error, but I'm not excited about the over either. I mean, that, that line feels right. 32 and a half. That is actually a college football total in 2022. Iowa scored 24 plus in three straight games. Come on. They're on fire. All right, you want to make a side bet? You want the over? For fun? Sure, let's do it. All right, cool. I want to try these hot Sicilian wings at Naked City. Let's do, let's do an order of those on the side bet. So I have right. under 32 and a half? Yeah. All right. And yeah. you don't have to track me down, and I won't block you and yeah. the country. Easy enough. Easy well, enough. I know where you live. I know where you live, <laughs> so I'll find you. What do you want to do with Oregon now in the Pac-12? I still want to play them. Look, okay. I, I, I said last week I thought they were the best team in the Pac-12. They, they got into a game that – sort of got away from him. Michael Penix played amazing, and let's not forget, that's the passing yardage leader in the country right now, Michael Penix. I mean, he's been awesome. Um, but it's still very possible that that Oregon wins this week, a very winnable game. Uh, they're at home at Autzen Stadium against Utah as a small favorite, so Oregon could very easily win there. And then, oh, by the way, USC goes into the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA. Like, it's very possible that Oregon and UCLA both win, and then this Pac-12 gets weirder and weirder. But uh, I will stand by Oregon having the best team, and I still think you could bet them to win the Pac-12 tournament. Yes, no, college football playoff. Make the playoff. You see anything you like? I said tournament. I meant championship. Everybody knew that, right? Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, I mean, Michigan to me is is still one of the best three teams in the country. Um, I didn't see a price on them to make the playoff. I'm not betting TCU. I'm not betting Tennessee. Um, maybe LSU, because if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship, that would be very interesting. And I think it's a good conversation to have, Steve, because I don't want to bet LSU to win the national championship because then they'd have to pretty much roll a three-game parlay, beating Georgia and then winning two or winning a semifinal and the title. I think of the list you sent me, I would take LSU to make the college football playoff at almost 7-1. to one. That's probably the most enticing to me. But I think Michigan, even if Michigan loses to Ohio State, I think they should be in over Tennessee. Uh, let's close with the NFL. Go back to the NFL for a second here. i got a, less than a minute left. NFC futures, what, what should we look at right now? Well, it's clear. Philadelphia is not invincible, and we saw that last night. They lost to Taylor Heineke in the Washington Football Academy. Um, if you can skip over Philly, you know, they're like 2 250 to win the NFC. You can find some pretty deep teams like Tampa 7 1, Seattle is 20 1, New York Giants 33 1. And how about this? The Packers are going to be favored in five of their last seven. They could win nine games, maybe slide in. The Green Bay Packers right now to win the NFC are 40 1. I'm thinking about it. That's all I'm going to say. And you can find your story where? Nesson.com? NessonBets.com, my friend. All right, NessonBets.com. Sam, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. See you, man. All right, gentlemen, see you. Damn, top 35 in the uh, Super Contest. That's pretty good. It's good. 
Not an easy contest. No. Not at all, especially when you're talking about guys hitting it like 74% through the course of 9, 10 weeks. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, you have to hit, what, minimum 68% to be top 10. Something like that, yeah. Nuts. Totally nuts. All right, Reno, we appreciate you uh, hanging in on the Battleborn Sports Hour right here on ESPN. Reno, for all three hours, you want to hear the archives of the show, you can find them daily at lvsportsnetwork.com. On the way back, more Raiders talk. We'll go deep divey and find out what the heck is going on with all this dysfunction with Adam Hill, part of the company.